This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, it's the final week of the Premier League season. The top four decider, we'll see. Liverpool, Man City already in. You've got Chelsea, Leicester, Man United and Wolves all fighting for those other two spots. Should be a great weekend of footy. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostable and Roger Rexroad. Our man in the field is joining us in the Car Guys Report studio today. This is part two of our very special Corvette C8 episode. We spent uh, part one of this uh, special C8 episode talking uh, just about, uh, in general, Corvettes, uh, owners, uh, why the Corvette is a special car for so many years, and a lot about the uh, design the mid-engine uh, layout and the exterior styling of the uh, new Corvette C8. And we did touch uh, briefly on pricing. Um, Roger thinks that uh, even though Corvette Chevrolet claims that they're targeting a younger audience with a, a mid-engine design, um, how many are going to be able to shell out the $59,995 base price, which GM claims they're going to lose something like 20000 on each base model they sell? And I always take the... Uh, the the uh, stance that can you really get one for fifty nine nine ninety five? Whether uh, I remember reading earlier, shortly after the car was introduced, that um, some of the forums online were were developing lists, and I don't know how they would confirm this, but lists of dealers that were claiming they were not going to sell. Uh, you know, not mark up the car and sell it truly at a base price so those people would get the business. Um, but, you know, are you really going to be able to order one for fifty nine nine ninety five? Because everyone that I've seen that has been road tested so far in the magazines has stickered at something like 88000 which is a pretty big leap. Yeah, the Z51. Yeah. That's the package. That yeah, that's the package that everyone's basically getting. And do you know what that adds to what the Z fifty one package adds to the base? Or I don't know about price wise, but it adds five horsepower and it does add a shorter uh, final drive okay. ratio, which gets that uh, zero to sixty under three seconds. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, and it, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean. Um, Roger claims that he's got friends in uh, Detroit that um, have seen uh, a couple of C8s on the road already. You know, you know the, the GM strike that happened in 2019 uh, set back uh, production uh, timetables somewhat. And I think that they're going to be uh, starting to get delivered. I don't want to say in mass because I don't know how big the pent up demand or the order uh, book is. But we'll probably start seeing them in uh on the roads, I would think, in the first quarter uh, of 2020, if not the beginning of the second quarter, uh, we'll start seeing them appear on the roads. But the uh, the specs are pretty good. Uh, this is the uh, a spec sheet that I printed out uh, online, and it should still be accurate. This is the 3LT Z51 spec sheet. Um, 376 uh, cubic inch, which uh, comes out to about 6.1, 6.2 liters, however you want to round it off. Still a push rod, two valve per cylinder, overhead valve engine, compression ratio 11.5 to 1, which is a pretty good uh, compression ratio. 495 horsepower at 6,450 RPMs, 470 pound-feet of torque at 5,150 RPMs, redlining only 6,400, which is typical for an overhead valve uh, two-cylinder engine. Uh, power to weight ratio, let's talk about that a little bit. 7.3 pounds per horsepower because the curb weight on this car is about 3,622 pounds. Do you think that's a competitive uh, power-to-weight ratio and curb weight? Sure. What is your Viper weigh, Lou? Do you know? I think it's like 3,400. Okay. 
And how much horsepower is that kicking out? Uh, this is a 2006, so about 500 horse. 500, okay, 500 so pretty horse, much the same. Yeah. Torque. Yeah, so this is pretty much the same. Um, final axle drive ratio, you were saying with the Z51 is lower, so this has the axles at 355 uh, to 1, and the final drive is 1.7 uh, to 1. And uh, one thing that kind of surprised me here is they're listing the front discs as being smaller than the rear discs, which is interesting, because usually it's the other way around. On a perform on any car these days, especially a performance car, thirteen point one inch vented front discs, thirteen point eight uh, rear discs. I, I don't know why they would do that, but it's interesting. Uh, wheels are uh, standard uh, eight and a half by nineteens up front, eleven by twenties in back. So those are nice and beefy. Two forty five thirty five nineteens up front, three hundred five thirty R twenties in the back. Uh, Michelin Pilot Sport four S's, which is a fantastic uh, tire. Um, and there was, oh, the weight distribution. That's what I want to talk about. We had touched on that um, in part one of this episode, uh, that <clears throat> being a mid-engine design, you would think that it's like a 50-50, but it really isn't. It's 39-61, um, so it's got obviously a little bit more weight in the back, but again, that weight is in front of the rear axle, so that helps keep it more neutral as far as um, being tail-happy and things like that. Um, do you think, uh, either of you guys, do you think that these specs are competitive for the price? I mean, they're saying that right now, now, um, you know, this car is, you know, a bargain given the actual performance, which we'll touch on in a minute. Uh, the other thing, too, that I want to touch on is it's got an eight speed twin clutch automatic that was uh, co-developed, I believe, with Tremec. And it's the first uh, time that uh, they've done a, a twin clutch auto. Obviously, you can't get a manual transmission in the C8. And that, that's kind of irked a few people, too. But it's like when Porsche introduced the PDK, and that turned a lot of people off. But then they're saying, wait a minute, the PDK is faster than a manual, and it still is. And this is probably the same, the same case. So thoughts uh, on, on either the, the twin clutch or just the, perform, um, the, the specs in general, then will lead into the performance, well, actual well, numbers. Well, let's slow down just a second. What do you think of the price? I think the price is great for fifty nine nine ninety five. I think it's a it's a great deal. But what again, you, I mean, you once you spec one out to the way you want it, are you going to be paying eighty grand or eighty eight grand? Then it's not, you know, it's getting up there. So let's say it's let's just for grin say it's ninety grand. Okay, right? all right. So now it's ninety grand. Roger, what's your thoughts? Uh, I wouldn't buy one anyway. Yeah. I just, I'm just not <laughs> wow. a big fan of the car. I just you know I. I just to be fair, I, I I eat, sleep, drink cars, and every time people talk about Corvettes, it the word value comes up. And yes, it's a value, but I think it kind of cheapens the car when that's one of the your big selling points. Oh, it's 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 got this going for it, and it it only costs this. When you go and watch videos of like track days, you do not see a lot of C fours like Mark's car out on the track. But you sure as hell see a lot of old 911s out there. So I... I so what, what, is the, what is your point with that? I, I don't know. I just... It, 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 the car is... It's, it's a value, but if it's such a value, why don't you see those cars out on the track? Because everything depreciates. And a Porsche, you know, like a new 911 is like 150000 And the Corvette is ninety. So why don't you, even though it's such a value, why don't you see those cars out on as track cars like like your car or a, or a, or a C five? I don't know. I mean, I don't go. I haven't been to a track in years as far as uh, like autocrossing or anything like that. But I mean, to touch on you said, I think a base nine eleven right now for twenty twenty. I think it starts at either a hundred or one hundred and ten, and that's a hell of a car for the price. But again, with Porsche. Everything is extra. So even to put on just a very modest amount of, of optional equipment, you can be up to 120, 130,000 in a heartbeat. Here we're talking about a, a Corvette, a C8, maybe moderately well loaded with some options for 90,000. Well, let me let me answer Roger's question. So first of all, why do you see the Porsche? Why do you not see the Corvette? The Corvette still is looked at as an American car that. You know, it's attainable. When you're at a track day, usually, generally, this is someone who has done relatively well or, uh, you know, has some ex um, disposable income is the word I'm trying to think of. And they can afford to buy something that's at a whole nother level, which is why they're probably a track member. Now, when you're talking about the average guy who looks at this car, 
the Corvette is still, quote-unquote, somewhat attainable. So they put that value discussion in there because, number one, they're going to build a lot of them compared to a Porsche, generally. Um, and when I say a lot, maybe they might make 35,000 of them this year or something like that. I don't know what the production figures are slated know. to be yet. I, you know, but, I mean, generally, they make a lot more of them. So when you're going to make a car that you can produce more of, then you can get the economy of scale, which means that you're going to get more parts at a better discounted value. And that's where the quote-unquote real value comes in in the manufacturing of the car. So um, value is, in this situation, more based on supply versus demand. So there's going to be more supply out there, more Corvettes, and more people will have them and more people will get the chance to own them. So I do want to say that the reason why you talk about Corvette is because the level of horsepower versus the cost. For example, if you look at 495 horsepower in a European car, you might be looking at a 458 Italia, uh, a, a Ferrari or something like that, and uh, a 458 Ferrari, and now you're talking 250, 250 yeah. 000, you know, a quarter million dollars. So so that's where the, the value always sticks in people's mind. I mean, it's uh, if I could turn it around and you, and you think about a, a Ferrari, you think about a car that's just going to have beautiful curves. Well, you Absolutely. can't help but say it's going to have beautiful curves because when you look at it, you go, it has beautiful curves. So the Ferrari or the Corvette is always going to have that. Plus, Americans want a value. We want to feel we're getting something Well, more. cars are so expensive to begin with right. now. I mean, the average uh, new car price now is, I think, something like thirty-seven, dollars $38,000. Right. And you're talking Camry stuff, you know, right. average right. cost. So right. you're adding maybe, you know, even if you double that, uh, that's not out of the realm of, of, uh, of, of affordability necessarily. And you could get yourself into a Corvette at that point. Yeah. So it, it, there is a certain amount. I, I know what you're saying as far as the value yeah. equation. Yeah. Um, I just think that when you get up to a $90,000 price, there's a lot of cars that not, are not necessarily considered sports cars like a Corvette, but you're, you're in touching distance there with a uh, Mercedes C63 AMG, which is a hell of a car. Um, performance equal to this car probably or very close to it. Of course, it's not a two-seater. It's not a Corvette, but it's a, a great car. Um, there's BMWs that are within kissing distance of this price that are very high performance. So there's a lot. I think there's a lot out there in yeah. that $90,000 range. When you go down to the 60000 base price for this performance, there's not a lot. But here, here's the word. $90,000 Corvette. People go, hmm, pretty cool. $90,000 Mercedes. Eh, they, they don't have that excitement. When you say the well, word What do you say, 90000 AMG? I mean, AMG's got right, pretty but, good but cachet. Just, just the word Corvette stirs a certain... If you closed your eyes, you could visualize what you'd see as a Corvette. And there's probably some people that would look back on a C4 and go, that piece of fiberglass <laughs> crap for $90,000? But, but right. Well, <laughs> and, and you can even look at, if you've noticed what's happening to the C7s, because of the C8 coming out, the C7s have completely gone down they said they're bargains right now yeah i, I, I mean, mean new ones are brand supposedly new, yeah brand new ones they're giving you know sixteen thousand dollar <laughs> discounts yeah. mm -hmm. and things like this they they basically are saying uh oh now what are we going to do with this so i think stock? it's a hell of a time to buy a c7 they, right right so there's uh, thousands on those on the i heard there uh, there was an article uh there was like seven to eight thousand c7s over uh, the yeah, sitting on the lots it's so, amazing that's Unbelievable. true right so they're going to be stuck with that but uh well I, if you know where some c7s are for sale make sure you tell your friends about it and make sure you tell them about what we're doing right here the car guys report informed automotive it's available online at radiomisfits.com you can follow us on twitter at car guys podcast of course you can email us too if you agree or disagree or just have some thoughts in general about uh, corvette c8s or anything else that we talk about on this podcast it's CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. That is our email address, open 24-7, of course. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable and Roger Rexroad today. We're on part two of our special Corvette C8 episode talking about the value proposition. Lou is defending his $90,000 um, price tag on a, uh, a fairly well-loaded uh, C8, saying that it does represent value. And uh, I can see his point to a point, but I think there's other cars out there that are are similar in performance and they could cost the same too so if you've got 90 grand burning a hole in your pocket i think you've got a pretty legitimate choice but if you're looking at strictly mid-engine cars at that price you're not going to find a lot really the only one you're going to be 
compatible with, which would be the Porsche Cayman, and those are, can be a hundred thousand dollar car. A easy. GT4, Cayman, GT4 yeah, is a great car. That's an absolutely. awesome, awesome car. But uh, again, it's 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 similar, but then it's a different animal too versus the C8. It's a track tool. It is. And, and here's the thing with the Corvette: you don't hear people talking about Corvettes being a track tool like a GT4. I just want to. I just want that car to get. So you're saying the that range. people that are buying, even though they're they're targeting a younger audience, you think they're going to be the, the still the the older generation that just wants to have a Sunday driver or a car, something to bring to a cruise night or something like that. Absolutely. Really. I'm sorry. That's what I see. You go to a lot of shows, Lou, and you see Corvette guy. He's got the color matching <laughs> a director chair behind the car. He's got half of the Greenwood catalog thrown at the car. The hood's up. You got an American Eagle airbrush, and and you just that's what you see. That's Corvette guy. Let let's break that that's mold. That's American right Corvette there. guy. Let's break that mold. That's what I'm trying that to say. Be a new Netflix series, you, Corvette guy. You brought up the Cayman GT4. That is a scalpel. As at a track, I don't know. Oh, that I like first. that term. I like that that analogy. I, a scalpel at the racetrack. And the Corvette does Lou's not. Who's rubbing his head like? Oh, the Corvette does not I have cut it with my C8. <laughs> the Corvette does not have that reputation. Your Viper does, though. Your Viper is more of a a track car That's than any absolutely. Corvette is. And I just wish they would. That's what I brought up about the 911 compared to a Corvette. Is you see more 911s. Can we get the Corvette out there more often? That's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's why well, I brought that. Well, up. maybe you'll see more out there well, now that it's a mid-engine say, design. You're, and you're, you're hitting it on the head now. The mid-engine design Corvette will be will be out there more. The performance specifications, uh, actual road testing that uh, Motor Trend and other magazines have done. I mean, right now, again, value for the money, 0 to 60, 2.8 seconds, which is fantastic. 0 to 107.1, a quarter mile and 11.1 seconds at 123. I mean, those are fantastic figures. Braking 60 to 0 and 97 feet. That's crazy. Yeah, just incredible stuff. Um, You can't argue with... Uh, statistics like that um, and obviously you're getting a uh, you know basic warranty is three years 36,000 miles I think they should up that the powertrain warranty is five years 60 for a car like this they should give you a five-year standard warranty and they should give you a, a 10-year 100,000 I think they should I mean if you're paying that much for a halo car they should I think they should juice the warranty and give give you more warranty on it uh, let's talk about the eight-speed dual clutch automatic right now um, do you have any reservations of not being able to get a manual in this car? Do you think that that's going to help or hurt their their uh, their take rate or whatever you want to call it as far as people buying this car? I, I used to be all about manual transmission. My current you know current car is a dual clutch. It's yeah. first dual clutch. There, it's great. And it is after, cool. Yeah. After driving one, now I know what all the hype is about. Yeah. But a sports car. You should always be able to have the option, oper- option to have manual uh, or to have a you know three pedals yeah. because yes it's slower but sometimes you don't care about the speed you want you to just want the interaction it. and, it, it's yeah. the interaction you yeah. know and, and that's it I don't know why they I, I know it I know the take rate is horrible they they said there's more electric cars on the road than there are manual exactly yeah cars. that was actually something we, we talked about on a previous episode and uh, it, it's funny that that you bring it up and that's true it really is I mean and Lou I think getting back quickly to your Viper they never offered an automatic transmission to that car you could only get it with a with probably a six speed I think it is yeah that's correct now here's the interesting thing although clearly I have a Viper it's one of my favorite cars. I don't mind the fact that it doesn't have a, a manual transmission. So um, that you mean it you mean it does, does have. have a manual it, transmission? Um, you mean that I, you don't? I don't mind that the have, new Corvette does not oh, okay, have gotcha, does okay, not yeah. have a manual yeah. transmission. Yeah, and I say that because I I am interested in. Uh, yeah, sure, you get a definite different feel of a car when you're shifting gears with it, but. We're looking at something that you've just got done mentioning was the track performance, and they're looking at an overall success on the track. So if the manual slows you down versus what the ability of technology now has improved, then 
you're still going to get the video game experience of driving it with two pedals. Well, it's interesting, too, that, um, and this is something I've seen or read in, in a lot of the different reviews so far, and what uh, Motor Trend says about it, they said the other side of the coin with the new C8 is the disconnectedness from the raw power of the car. And I think that's something that you have to kind of hand it to the engineers that they're able to achieve something like that. It's one of these cars that's kind of a uh, a lamb on the, on the streets and a lion on the, on the track. The engine is rather quiet for a Corvette, and the transmission is so smooth in tour mode that you don't get a sense of just how fast you're going, at least until you brake. And I think the thing that people are looking for these days in a, you know, dare we call this a supercar, I guess, or an American supercar, or a, a, at least an extreme high-performance American sports car, is the fact that people want to use these as in a daily driving situation. And that's one thing that I think Ferraris and Lamborghinis have gotten way, way better at over the years is the fact that you can actually use those cars now in a daily driving situation. They're not going to overheat. The air conditioning works. Um, They're not herky-jerky, whether they have, you know, a dual clutch or a a standard transmission. They're just made so you can actually drive them on an everyday basis. And I think getting to Roger's point that he thinks that a lot of the people buying the C8 are going to be using it in a either a a weekend-type situation, not at the track, or I think a lot of people are going to buy it just to commute in, Mm -hmm. whether it's a 10-mile commute or a 50-mile commute, um, and if they've tuned the the cars that it's that comfortable and that relaxed in a daily driving situation, I think that appeals to a lot of people because it's still the look-at-me style, and they know they've got the performance potential in the car, but they're able to enjoy it. It's not going to rattle their teeth when they're driving it. And even the, the new C8 has a feature... And it's a run-through GPS where it stores, I don't know how many hundreds or whatever, of, of positions where you can mark it that if you're coming into a, a parking lot or something where you know it's got a low curb, it will ra- automatically raise the front end of the car, and it remembers that setting. And you can set that to a whole bunch of different things, and it works by GPS automatically, which is great. I mean, Lamborghinis, I believe, have had that, that lift mode, but it's manual. It's not uh, controlled by GPS. So that, that shows that... The, the engineers with the C8 are, are looking ahead and saying, these are the kind of people that are going to be driving this car. We want to make the experience as seamless and as comfortable as possible. How reliable do you think that tech is going to be where it's going to remember? Who knows? I don't know. I, I, just, I don't know. You know what you do when you get a speed bump? Besides going slow, just go over to the side a little bit to kind of cut down yeah. on the angle. That, that, that kind of tech, I just I don't trust it. <laughs> I think it's cool, but how well it'll work, like right. you said, in real life, who knows? Lou, you had that look on your face like you, you have to say something. Well, <laughs> well let's start with... Uh, <laughs> well, we're talking about transmissions, right? Yeah. You, what, we were. You've got a Corvette. What's, I have a, just a... It's a 4L60E, which is the four-speed automatic that uh, General Motors introduced in the early 90s. It was the first... Uh, I call it computer-controlled automatic. It was a, a derivation of the uh, standard turbo hydromatic. 700R4. Yeah, and it had um, it has uh, computer control, so it's got solenoids doing the shifting. It, it's supposed to shift much quicker, but you get in you get in my C4 and you drive it, and it's still very archaic transmission in today's you know modern world. But it was so state of the art 27 years so ago. So you have an automatic. Yeah, I do. But when you're driving down the street. The Corvette is a comfortable car. Mine isn't that comfortable. It's loud. It squeaks and rattles because of the way the, you know, the fit and finish on those cars were never known for anything great. And the ride, I think, is very harsh. Okay. So, right. yeah, it's, it's nothing like the new car. I mean, yeah. that's, why it, that's why I said if people, and I say it jokingly, but, but, but re, you know, a, a tinge of reality when I say like, that piece of loud fiberglass 1992 Corvette, I, it's like, that's kind of what it is. I, I mean, I, yeah, but, I, but it's endearing in its own way. Right. I, I, I guess <laughs> my point which didn't get out at all was <laughs> if you bought a Ford F-150. It probably rides better than the Corvette. But your Corvette. Yeah. But I'm saying the, in the last 20 years, a Ford F-150 drives like a car. It does. All the big you know, pickups I, I have an Explorer four-door, and it's built on a Ford Taurus frame, yeah. which was front-wheel drive at the time. Now they're doing a rear-wheel drive. But my point is, this Corvette is going to drive like a car. Yeah. However... To Roger's point, now it's going to be a Corvette that you can take to the track. I mean, Hennessy was talking at, uh, about a 1,200 horsepower yeah. mm-hmm. C8 that's going to be specific track car. So, or 
I mean, I mean straight line. Don't get us wrong. I mean, people track people track Corvettes. I mean, it's not like nobody does it. You're just arguing the fact that you just don't see as many as you would think you would see you because of the kind of car it is. And I think you, that's what you're saying. Right, and you brought up about the disposable income of the track guy, but there's also different levels of disposable income track guy. So you got somebody who's on the lower end that has disposable income. Why are they not grabbing a C4 or a C5 or a, or, or, or a late model C3, like from the late 70s, early 80s? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You just don't, you just don't hear about, you don't see those cars as track yeah, cars. Yeah. And that's just, it, do something about it. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, like the weird, going back to the value thing, you know, it's just, it, the, the depreciation's gone down, but you just don't, the, it's, it, people know how much engineering is in that 911, and I just wish they would just make the car stand on its own without using the word value. Let, yeah. let, let the value be assumed, but with, with the price differential, why don't you see more of them on the track? Well, there, there, there's quite a few Corvettes that are out there on the track, and I think that this car is specifically designed to be on the track. I mean, granted, it's going to be a daily driver, and it's going to be somebody who's had a bunch of Corvettes is going to want a C8. But any mid-engine car that a car maker comes out with is going to be... A track e- car. Well, it's it's got to have that, that performance cred. Even a, a, a... Remember the Mr. 2, the MR2 Toyota? That was a mid-engine car. The X-Fiat X19, that was a mid-engine. Those weren't high-end performance cars, but they were still fairly tossable and chuckable and mid-engine design and kind of cool in their own way and even a, a 914 porsche had a you know was mid-engine design basically a volkswagen but with a porsche body but um those cars are phenomenal track cars you know if they're set up properly so Absolutely. I, I think i think to lose point the fact that since corvette chevrolet gm is hyping this car or this car has been so hyped uh, for so long it's finally here that if it didn't have the track performance capabilities then people would be like what what did they do wrong why 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 did they do this but they did it you brought up earlier you brought up earlier about the they dialed in the understeer yeah do you think porsche does that no because they know who they're they know well exactly i mean that, that's it. one thing I, I i've noticed about some of the german cars that i drive whether it be my mercedes or, or or the porsche is the fact that they seem to respect your knowledge more as a driver it doesn't have necessarily all these idiotic nanny things on it or or these annoying things where a lot of the american type cars depending on who they think their buyers are going to be they have all this safety stuff built. i mean like your viper doesn't have abs it doesn't have stability program doesn't have any of that because they're saying people who drive this car know how to drive and we're leaving it up to them whether they sink or swim absolutely and they're not going to throw all these safety nets out so legit trick yeah yeah exactly what about the pushback from the diehard fans well, we touched touched on that in um, part one. I think it remains to be seen. Obviously, there's people like Roger that are saying, you know, no way, no way, no way. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan yet because I haven't owned my Corvette long enough. But I think that once I see this car in person, I hear it, I can smell it, I can sit in it, talk to the person that owns it. Of course, they're going to be very enthusiastic about it, I'm sure. I think that, you know, I might come around to it slowly. And you're, I'm already in. I know you are. Well, that's obvious. Yeah, I'm, Great. I'm, I'm already in on this one. I want them to sell every one of them, by the way. I know oh, I'm they not, will. I'm not a big fan of the car, so I don't want people to think I'm like the Corvette is my favorite car. And I'm not, I know it sounds like I'm bagging on it, but I, I want them to sell every car. I do. It just, well, I, I just wish it was more. Well, they're, they're, it's not like they're going to, I don't see them cranking out a bunch and just having them sit, sending them to the dealers and having them sit on the lot because not. there's only supposed to be certain dealers that are going to be able to service this thing too because it's a completely different architecture with the transmission, the layout of the car, and you have to know what you're doing when you're servicing these cars. And that's also very important too because it's a brand new model brand new everything and they want to make sure that the people buying these cars have a have a good service experience too because that can kill uh, your enthusiasm for a car or a brand quicker than anything is if you have a lousy service experience and it has to be reliable fairly reliable it'll be reliable i think it'll be reliable the transmission you know what you said who'd you say was it i thought it was uh i thought i had read that it was uh developed co-developed with tremec okay well we know about their transmissions that's the you know standard transmission in the gt uh, 350 and the 350r but it just seems like 
like you know you say xerox kleenex google yeah. it, like there's like the transmission de facto is always zf yeah so i just wonder why because Cor- uh, they did have Z, uh, zf uh experience with the corvettes in the past mm. you know, uh, partnership i'm just kind of wondering why because everybody has i think zf i think tr- yeah they do pretty much that's very ubiquitous that that zf eight speed auto is just everywhere uh but i think tremec has a has a a, a performance um Heritage too. I mean, my Aston Martin has a Tremec six-speed in it. Oh. Mustangs have Tremex uh, for a long time. I, I just think that it's um, something that I don't know how they develop these partnerships or who do they who they decide to go with. But um, I wouldn't worry about it. I think Tremex a good name, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. And maybe they want to set themselves apart a little bit too. You know, oh, another ZF. What the heck. <laughs> and Lou's like, mm-hmm, yep, okay. But uh, if you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, make sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the program called Back to You. It's an OPI show, legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and long list of things that, well, get under their skin. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. It's the show Back to You. You can go to OPI shows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits and that's uh, where we are we're on the radio misfits podcast network this is the car guys report informed automotive i'm mark vernon along with luke hostable and roger rexroad we're having just a great uh discussion here in part two about the new corvette c8 uh roger has some very uh, strong opinions on it and so does lou lou you had touched on something that uh, I wanted to discuss a little bit more. Uh, obviously, this car has just been uh, announced, uh, coming with a 495 horsepower uh, overhead valve V8. Uh, Hennessy, I think you said, was already talking about a 1200 horsepower version. And then we had touched on this just briefly in part one of this uh, special episode, talking about the other performance modifications or models we might see down the line. Things like hybrid assist, uh, supercharging, like the uh, the C7 uh, had. Where do you think it's going to go, and you know what would you like to see? Well, this is what I've heard. We were talking previously about you know we were talking about V six in the car. Now, when 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 I heard the price of sixty thousand dollars, I figured they were going to take the engine from the ATSV, which was a three point six twin turbo mm-hmm. with four hundred sixty five horsepower, and put that in there as a as a base engine. And I can already hear people screaming you know here come the pitchforks and well that's me i hate v6s so yeah i know (laughs) but um that's what i thought was going to be the base engine so now luckily it's not right which i'm glad but how many more people could you've gotten in the into the door at an affordable price point say say you got one with with the twin turbo v6 for like fifty five thousand, legit fifty five thousand, and then gone up the ladder to like you have the uh the l the lt what is lt one that's in there now it's 495 horsepower and then the next thing i heard was the z06 was supposed to have the twin turbo uh, dual red cam, uh, either the 4.2 or the 5.5. The Blackwing, the Blackwing yeah, engine. which is the new Cadillac right. V8 and limited that, production. And that was supposed to be 800. And then the Zora, which I'm hoping they call it the Zora <laughs> because he does deserve to have Credit. that car with his yeah. name. And the Zora was supposed to take that engine and then put an electric motor on mm-hmm. each front wheel. Yeah. And that was supposed to have that magical 1,000 horsepower. horsepower. That is the, the, the big number we've heard jingling about. And, right. And, and 1,000 horsepower too they'd have to make the car obviously if it has motors at each wheel then it'd be an all-wheel drive right, car right then, right because they'd have to there's right. no other way to get the power effectively to the ground uh do you know have any more details about the 1200 horsepower that that hennessy was working on or is that going to be a factory approved option because i know a lot of those hennessy things are you get the full factory warranty when you when you buy you know you, you buy the car callaway you do. and callaway or is it callaway and Callaway yeah, but, and Lingenfelder. but i think i thought the hennessy would do it too or whoever you were talking about um they pretty much do that you know you send them the car then they modify it and you still doesn't avoid your warranty or yeah i to answer your question i don't know what the warranties are for those but uh you know i can see the z06 the z07 it's going to come up and i see that that's actually holding people back maybe of getting the first one they want to see what's going to come out next but the other thing is back to your six cylinder versus eight cylinder i think the eight cylinder 
Uh, let's look at, for example, the Ford GT. The new Ford GT comes out, and the first thing that everybody does a <gasps> in a negative response is the fact that it had a, a, a six-cylinder. They're going, oh, my gosh, well, you're putting Well, the very first Corvette had a six-cylinder in it. Right. So. Well, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, but. So, but, but stay stay there for a moment. So that's the one thing with the Ford GT, and although it held its own at Le Mans, et cetera, et cetera, and, and it kind of gained its press back, now people are looking at really the design of the car and the funny thing is they listen to that v6 and think that it sounds like a v8 so the goal i still don't think it does but that's just me but but the goal is to get to the v8 so the fact that they kept the v8 in the corvette i think is the is the cherry on the sunday that made this one accepted i will i will agree with that that i'm glad they didn't um do like a like you said a twin turbo v6 or something they kept a naturally aspirated nice brawny overhead valve v8 in there go to my car story and watch uh lou did a very uh, popular youtube guy that has car shipped over here and it has an uh, oh shmi yeah yeah no i've it seen has, that it has yeah. an akrapovich exhaust system yeah. and, and and you need how you don't well, like i saw it. that car in person well you can't deny how good so. that v6 sounds yeah that's a good one you can't deny that there are some v6s that sound okay but <laughs> hey, I still, yeah, this, just, this is one of them. That's just there's this a, more, a, a, a few more things. Okay. Add, not to take anything away from his car, right? I'm just saying, I'm just not a V6 fan, right, you know. Right. And if you agree with me or disagree with me, send me an email. You know, carguysreport at hotmail dot com. Carguysreport at hotmail dot com. You can address it to me, Mark, <laughs> or Lou, or Roger, whatever. Just say you guys are right most of the time <laughs> but uh getting back to the engine and the power too one of the things that came out uh a few weeks after the uh the official uh debut or announcement of the of the uh, c8 was the fact that uh they started dyno testing this thing and all of a sudden everyone was saying like, it's creating like 550 horsepower at the wheels or whatever but then uh motor trend uh said now we've learned that our dyno operator selected two dyno settings that were incorrect and basically the car performed or, or was putting out pretty much right where it should be about 400 you know four well 495 is at the at the crank but then at the wheels there's always about a 15 percent um uh, loss, but they were just basically saying once they recalibrated the dyno and everything like that, um, the car was not producing the unbelievable power they said it was, but they were saying that it was producing where it should be. So, I believe that was a part of the hype train. You I think just, so? You really? Yeah, yeah it yeah, could be, be. Who knows? Because the only reason I say that, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple things to back it up. Look at the incredible hype train that was the demon. Yeah. Okay. And then this, the new GT500. You know, it, we were waiting and waiting to get the price, waiting and waiting to get the performance. And then Corvette, most hyped car of the year. And then, oh, it makes 650. And then they come back later. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's everything has to be hyped. I, whether that's truly the case or not, but it says here. Well, let's pause for a second. The Demon. First yeah. of all, you're absolutely right. That was a huge hyped car. What was the hype on the Demon? Well, 965 at 138 and miles And being able hour. to pop a wheelie. That's what the hype yeah, is. Right. You're buying a car from the factory that does a wheelie. Yeah. And In the right it, conditions. I don't care what conditions. It pulls a wheelie, right? Yeah. And that was the hype. That was the hype. This car, the hype is obviously where they stuck the engine. Yeah. And the fact that I go back to what I just said. 59,995. And the cherry <laughs> on the Sunday was, was they kept it an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Motor Trend does say, though, that they say, for now, let's just say they were convinced our red test car was certainly making every bit of its rated output of 495 horsepower at 6450 RPM and 470 pound-feet of torque at 5150, if not slightly more. And they say, stay tuned as this saga continues. So we'll have to see. And on that line, we got to take a break. We'll be right back after this. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Talk dirty to me, Siri. Bees in my walls. A psychiatrist named Jenkins. My brush with a Hollywood A-list star from years gone by. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. You f***ed up the script. You f***ed up the script. I didn't f*** up my part of the script. You expected that I did my job and that was your fatal flaw, Sam. Okay, look, it's creating quality content either way, you know. Oh, are we keeping this? Oh, this is all staying in. Are we keeping this? 
Listen to Ant Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back. It's the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostable and Roger Rexroad. We're having a great roundtable discussion here, give and take, pros and cons on the new uh, Corvette uh, C8 as we continue. One thing that I've been uh, anxious to uh, talk about is the interior design of the car, because we touched on it in part one, that the interior uh, quality of Corvettes for many years was sorely lacking, and I will definitely attest to that in my C4, which again is 27 years old. Uh, it's been well cared for, so there's no, obviously, there's no splits in the leather. The leather hasn't deteriorated. There's no cracks in the dashboard, but you look at the quality of the leather, it's not, you know, kind of thin, not real... Um, you know, it doesn't have that suppleness to it, I guess. The door panels are basically vinyl, uh, plastic, big molded pieces that are starting to shrink a little bit. The dashboard has this big gap on it. I mean, it's just like maybe in 92 that was uh, acceptable, but not anymore. And the Corvettes, even until fairly recently, until about the C7, I think, they said that, you know, the, the interiors are still not up to, to, the, to the par of the cost of the car and what people expect. And... Everyone's saying so far, and and I'll hold off until I actually see one in person, but I've seen pictures of it, and I've read people's comments on it, that the interior of the C8 finally hits the right, checks all the boxes, as they say. What do you they think? They said that about the C7, well, I, too. Yeah, Remember? and does it? Uh, well, we haven't seen it in person yet, so... Yeah, but the C7, what do you think? I mean, do you think that, that interior was, it was good? A, it was a great Step leap up, up but, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, when you compare it to a C, you know, to a C6, yeah. I mean, you look at a C6 Corvette, I know for a fact that that car shares a steering wheel with a Chevy Malibu. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's just absurd. Well, speaking of steering wheels, what do you think of the squared off wheel in the, in the C8? That's awesome. You like it. Now, I oh, don't like yeah. it. I don't oh, like yeah. that. What do you think, Lou? Well, it's designed so that you can get your legs under there comfortably. So I'm a. See, I'm that's a the old man of, thing again. I, so I'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> of that. But but the opposite of that is, I mean, if you ever tried to get into a '57 T-Bird and the wheels sitting down, you know, almost touching the seat, yeah, then you have to do kind of a it. gymnastic move yeah. to get around it. So so, um, let's talk about interior first of all. Uh, let's go back to your car. So back in '94. Think about what Chevrolet is trying to do at the time. Where are they putting their money? They're putting the money in the engine. They're not putting the money in the interior, and they're trying to keep it low cost, high performance, still make it a sports car. So they're putting so they so, figured wait, 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 wait. So they're putting money in suspension, yeah. and they're making it trackable. Or so or you're saying sporty. they didn't they didn't care that they figured the person buying this car isn't going to really care about the the interior experience. Because they want the performance and the sound and all that. That's that's, that's, that's where, where they put the effort. Now, then. now, and, and the amazing part is, all right. We talked there a little bit earlier, but I want to go back to okay, fifty nine nine ninety five, right under sixty thousand yeah. dollars. That's shocking because if you think about it, and you said, okay, a new Corvette, it's going to be a mid engine, and they and they wouldn't have said sixty thousand. Let's just say that you know this is the first time you're hearing the number, and I go, we're putting out a new car, mid engine Corvette. You're going to love the design. We're going to do the interior. It's going to be an eighty five thousand dollar car. You would think, okay, that's normal. But now because they've made it a fifty nine nine ninety five or a sixty thousand dollar car and still made the interior tremendous, that's incredible. But I think they finally realized they had to because if this car came with a crappy interior, it would just get okay, panned. So let's say that they have to. I'll agree with you. Yeah. But now you're looking at a car, it, they would have said, okay, we're going to try to compare it to what? To a Ferrari, right? Like a Ferrari interior. Well, then if a Ferrari is... Two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and a Corvette is still eighty thousand to ninety thousand. I don't think there's any way it's going to ever compare sense. with a Ferrari interior, though, because the Italian makers, they, their interiors with the leather and the way they do the stitching and just the overall look of it, it might not be ergonomically friendly necessarily, but I just think the look and the feel of their interiors is like fine luggage. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, at the same price, you're paying for fine luggage, right? I mean, well, you are, but I'm just you're, saying you're that. Three, but you're three you, times the value. You were saying that that the Corvette C8 at eighty or ninety grand even could have a interior comparable to a Ferrari. I well, don't think that's going to well, be the case. Well, let's let's just take apples to apples. So we, let's just say we have an eighty thousand dollar well equipped for uh, Corvette. Corvette, yeah, C8. and now triple the price. And then you, you should have a triple in the now interior. You have, 
Now you right. Okay. Well, now you have a base. Now you have a base Ferrari. Yeah. So. You know, and you can get ones that maybe less than that, et cetera. But you're close. So I'm saying for the level of quality and engineering that you have versus price, and I know that you hate the value conversation, Roger, but <laughs> this this is such an unbelievable deal. And especially, I'm just thinking out loud, let's just say that the, that the C8s, that are $60,000, people say, well, there's a Z06 and there's a Z07, mm. and I don't want my C8 anymore. And they actually sell them for less than that. So let's just say two years from now, you That's can not going to happen right away, though, I don't think. Not I don't right think away, you're going to be let's seeing. Say in two years. I'd give it five years before you, you think even it's going to be five? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be five. I think it's going to be like two. Where you're going to see used models? I'm going to see, you're going to see used C8s Below 60. In 2020, or excuse me, not 2020, 2022. Okay. In 2022, maybe the last half of it, let's just say Christmas time this year, two years from now, you might be able to get one of those for forty-five grand with 6,000 wow. miles on them. Mm, I doubt that. I well, really well, do. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I right? doubt that. The biggest thing with the interior that, that strikes me, and again, this is something that I'll have to see in person, but I call it the wall. And on the interior design, in order to give a more cockpit-like feel for the driver, uh, GM has designed literally this this wall that raises up. It looks like it raises up maybe six to eight inches and tapers off kind of on an angle um, right along where your elbow on your, your right arm would be. And they've got a, a row of about 12 or 15 different switches that are supposedly like secondary devices, like maybe a defroster or something. It's not like power window switches. But I just think it looks weird because it literally separates you with a solid piece from if there's a passenger like your wife or whatever my girlfriend i'm fine with my wife well i, I figured yeah i figured you'd say that. i love the wall what do you think roger the great i think wall, it's odd looking the great wall of bowling green yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it it just can you imagine the servicing nightmare and when getting they, in there to and, and when they have to take it apart you know damn well it's not going to go back together the right way you know it's not that's a good a good point it's i just, just think not. it looks strange because it's just a solid piece if it was open or or a little more airy or, or translucent or something i just think if it would i want to go out with my wife on a date i take your 58 impala well, with a bench seat. <laughs> yeah, there you if go. i want to go out and drive a car with my wife <laughs> to hell with the wall right well, well with my wife and, and i'm going to say hey we're going out and you're going to be seen but guess what you're going to be on that side of the car i think you know she'd be fine on that side of the car even if there's a wall because that car is so good looking that I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm a fan of of the interior of this one I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the interior my only two turnoffs though I, I'm not crazy about that square wheel and I'm not crazy about the what we're calling the wall at this point um, in the Motor Trend Car of the Year write-up it says that I loved the squared steering wheel a few others did not and the Jet Age homage of its design, although there was some debate about the cabin's overall design. They say here, some judges felt as if it was a bit too much bling, but others liked it. As for the stream of buttons that make up the HVAC controls and puts up a wall, uh, to quote Walton, between the driver and the passenger glove box, most judges felt that these controls are of the set and forget variety. Plus, you just don't notice them from behind the wheel. I don't know. Uh, you do uh, notice a couple of inexplicably cheap out, outs, exp uh, especially if you're executive producer Mark Reckon. He despises the plastic cup holders. He says, how much would have improving them have cost Chevrolet maybe five bucks a unit? So, you know, they seem to think that the interior is, is definitely a step up. I'm looking more as far as not so much the design or the layout, but just the quality of the materials. I, I want to see real stitching. I want to see, even if it's not leather, you could do Alcantara. You could do uh, even just super high. You know, I don't have anything against vinyl if it's done well. That's one thing the Germans do very well is they make the, some of the best vinyl out there. Um, MB text is, is Mercedes' term for vinyl. Well, everybody says you don't want Alcantara on something you're touching well, on. Well, exactly. Like Me too. I've wondered wear, about that. Wears yeah. out really bad. So yeah. If the headliner, headliner, headliner Alcantara is awesome. great. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, but. but I've always wondered that too. And a lot of uh, automakers are using Alcantara on the seats too now where you where you sit. Um, I actually don't know if the, I can't tell if the seats are all leather on this car or if there is some Alcantara on there. But again, we'll have just to wait and see once they come out. They, they look like supportive seats. They look really cool. I'm just interested in the fit and finish. 
I love leather covered dashboards and the stitching and things like that. So I hope that uh, this car does not let me down from that standpoint when I see the inside. Because to me, Lou, uh, to counter your point as far as what GM may or may not have been thinking in the early 90s in regards to the Corvette interior, I think interiors have become much, much more important in car makers' um, vernacular these days. Even a company like Subaru has radically upgraded their interiors in the last year. And well, they, they look can only really go good. Up. I know they, they could only go, go up, they but, can only go but up. they, they made, were bare bones. But they made very big strides in it. Yeah. And I think that people are coming to expect really nice interiors, even in lower price cars. So if a car like this comes out, even at $60,000 and it doesn't have a, a decent looking interior in it, then it's, you know, it's going to be a turnoff to some people. Well, you know, a buddy of mine stopped buying his Ram pickup. I've never seen a better interior. Oh, they're incredible. Yeah. 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 They've been getting amazing uh, reviews. They're shocking. Yeah. They're shocking inside. But when you're spending $85,000 on a pickup truck, crazy. again, you have to expect that you, you, you better get a, a nice interior for yeah. that. The only exception, I mean, not to, uh, to, to pound on your um, Viper, but the Viper interior, what, what are your comments about that? Well, I, I understand it. If you talk about a car, you can't sit next to your wife because you've got a, I don't know, a 12-inch uh, uh, gap between you and your wife yeah. with, with this tower that sits up between you because the transmission sitting literally n- right next to your thigh. Yeah, huge, huge through. center tunnel. So, uh, and I like the gauges in the Viper where it rolls around the, uh, wraps around the s- steering wheel where you could see all the gauges, lots of gauges. So, so it makes you feel like you're in a driver's mm-hmm. car. So, so, so I love the Viper interior. Any of your Viper interior, I, I appreciate. How about the quality of the materials? Um, I think they have some Alcantara on the side of the seats and maybe some pleather, yeah. some plastic leather down the center. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't know how well you'd fit in the car because it— Yeah, actually, I've never tried, tried your Viper on for so, size. I'll so, have to do that so next you're, time. You're you. tall, so, I mean, it's—for me, it fits— um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoy the car. I mean, I'm, I bought it. I like it. It's one of my favorite cars. So, but again, that goes to your, but your... I, I think the new Corvette interior, if we're saying just interior, yeah. um, I like this new Corvette interior. I can't say maybe more, but I would say I like it. I like my Viper. I like this one. Mm-hmm. The, but it, but the cool it, thing about the Viper interior, not to cut you off, but the cool thing about the Viper interior, especially the, the 92, the first gen. The, to me, that car was really a uh, a modern version of an AC Cobra. You look at AC Cobra inside; it's bare bone, basic, nineteen sixty five. You look at the Viper in nineteen ninety two; it's got everything you need, nothing you don't. Yeah. And your car, I mean, yeah. now the last the last version of the Viper, they really stepped that interior up. Well, again, up they probably did because the price yeah. started oh, going yeah. up a lot more. So, uh, to to speak to Lou's point about the early Corvette, you know, like the early nineties Corvettes, they were. Perhaps thinking more that the just the, the performance aspect of the car, and I think that's what the Viper's always been about. It doesn't have all the electronic nannies on it, and they're giving you a decent interior, but not a great interior necessarily. Right. And maybe the the latter ones, the 2017s, or I think that was the last year, right? 2017. Yeah, they're giving you. They, they, yeah, functional was what they're looking at, and 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 trackability and, and big engine. Yeah, and the the newer the newer actually the the C8 you could argue just being trying to be. Something for all aspects, performance, luxury, uh, you know, usability, daily usability. Well, let's talk about usability. So we haven't talked about it yet, but the trunk. There's actually trunk space in this new seat. And there's, there's two. There's the front right. up front, and then there's the trunk in the rear. And it's actually yeah. usable yeah. versus, for example, my Viper. It's almost comical. Um, I mean, the new Ford GT, Schmee's Ford GT, it was, I think he had his lunch, I think he had a sandwich that he could He put did, in. yeah, and a pair of he, socks or yeah, something. Yeah, a sandwich and his camera bag <laughs> yeah. or something that he kept in the in the quote-unquote trunk space. So, you know, it was comical. So that just shows you that, you know, when you're driving a, when you're building a track car, we don't care about the trunk. The driver needs to be informed, but not necessarily super comfortable. He's not going to be in this thing for the rest of his life. But we've got to be able to get him around the track, and we've got to be able to make the engine, you know, the the, the main the main heart of the beast. 
If you uh, like what you're listening to here, it is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Uh, make sure that you uh, check out some of the other shows that are available on opishows.com. Wherever you find your uh, podcasts, you can search for Radio Misfits. You can also search directly for the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And uh, whenever you uh, decide to uh, listen to the Car Guys Report, please subscribe to us as well. Because whenever we have uh, new content, which is weekly, you'll get an automatic notification that there's new content on the uh, site. And also take a few minutes to rate us as well. We've got a couple of great reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we'd certainly like to get your thoughts and some more positive comments on the Car Guys Report. And just remember, any uh, podcast that you listen to on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is totally free. It's listening on your terms, whether you're listening on your laptop, your desktop, your uh, mobile phone, your tablet, in the car, wherever you are, we'll be there with you. And remember, too, you can... uh, replay skip rewind go back and re-listen to episodes do whatever you want it's listening on your own terms everything's totally free that's what podcasting with radio misfits uh, podcast network is all about mark vernon along with luke hostable and roger rexroad we're on part two of our special corvette c8 episode just wanted to touch on a couple more uh topics here towards the end so far of course the industry accolades for the new c8 are just gushing everywhere it was Motor Trends Car of the Year. Uh, they made a big point in their latest issue uh, talking about how they uh, test for Car of the Year, that it's not just a, you know, a, a one-and-done thing. They spend like three weeks out there. They've got a ton of editors. They're just really, you know, truly doing it right. And I'm just wondering, uh, once these cars start showing up in the real world, if there are going to be any teething issues, Is it gonna, are the accolades going to continue? What are your thoughts on that? I feel there's going to be issues with the transmissions. Really? Yep. Like what? It's it's their first dual clutch. Yeah. So you just think that there's... The engine is bulletproof. You were talking about earlier about extended having the... the Warranty. warranty. Yeah. Well, you know the engine is is bulletproof. Well, that'd be a good way to... If you're saying, you know, if there were uh, teething issues with the the dual clutch, it would make sense to give you a better warranty for the powertrain then because then you'd be alleviating any any question marks that could arrive. But, of course, that's just conjecture at this point. You have no idea whether even the car might be out of the gate perfect. Who knows? I mean, I think that's something that some people always say, like, oh, never buy the first year of a brand-new, you know, model because it's you're in unknown territory. Um, This car... You know, like you said, the the engine itself, I don't think is going to be an issue. The chassis, the suspension, the brakes, who knows? I mean, it is kind of a big question mark because it's a totally new dynamic. And the other thing that we had touched about, talked about, too, is servicing. You know, I mean, you've got to make sure you bring it to a a Chevy dealer that is uh, authorized to service these cars because it's new technology. It's new architecture. They have to have some special equipment, um, software, things like that. And as we said before, a bad service experience can, you know, totally kill your enthusiasm for for a brand. Lou, do you think um, GM has thoroughly engineered this and we're going to see a reliable car right out of the gate? Yeah, I think, you know, in 2020, you're engineering. You know, I read something that, uh, you know, even a bad engineered car today is, you know, 50 times better than it was even 20 years ago. So uh, I think engineering is not perfected it's continually being perfected but when we're talking perfected it just we're at such a level now that um you know i was looking at something the other day and it was talking about this cadillac had to have its oil changed every 700 miles what you know yeah we're talking like the you know 1919 or something like that so (laughs) my my point is you know excuse me you're changing the you're changing the oil every 700 miles now these cars are every 7,500 miles, every 15,000 miles. But a lot of that is not only manufacturing tolerance is getting better and metallurgy improving, but it's also the improvement of the actual oil itself is, you know, whatever they're using in 1919, castor oil or whatever. You know, now the, the, the quality of the oil today is just unreal. And that's one reason why you can stretch, you know, uh, so, so your intervals point, your so point far. was engineering. So yeah, I think, engineering, I think engineering, quality. I think engineering and quality, I don't have any questions that this transmission is going to be fantastic. I think, I think, it, it, I think it, it'll be well. I mean, it's not like it's a brand new architecture that hasn't been made anywhere. I mean, you drive a Hyundai with a, with a dual clutch, and they seem to have got 
gotten it right, correct out of the box. Absolutely. Correct. I, yeah. I feel it's great. Well, let, yeah. Well, yeah. Back to the, you know, will the hype continue? The hype's going to continue until the next cool thing comes out. It's just that simple. For example, everything for a while was demon's going to do a wheelie. Oh, my God. When are we going to see a demon? Yeah. And really, a demon was just a, a you know, a Hellcat beefed up. Right. right. So now you've got the mid-engine Corvette. Oh, my gosh. Mid-engine Corvette. It's just going to be what's the next thing. This is almost like top 40 music, meaning we all get excited about whatever the top 40 music is. And then. Three months later, there's some new top mm-hmm. 40. Now, granted, this has been going on for a while, but Chevrolet's point, I mean, for example, what's the latest topic? You know, uh, Tesla's putting out a cyber truck, right? I mean, Ugh. so so whatever, whatever. Which we have discussed on a preview of previous episode of the car guys report pros and cons right. on you know and, elon musk's electric pickup truck so my point is it'll have hype until something else comes up that's the new hype you know well uh, the new the new car that's going to take off from your driveway and fly you downtown going right? along with with that thought and it's something that somebody brought up uh on the heels of ford uh, as we touched on uh, in Maybe on this part, too, I can't remember, or at least in part one, talking about the new Ford Mustang, in quotes, electric SUV, the Mach-E. And people were kind of... Um, uh, did, you chat- say, did you say Mach-E or Yucky? My, well, either way. I, a, know, I think it looks no, okay, actually. It is a mockery. Yeah, there you is. go. A mockery. <laughs> I think some people have been chastising <laughs> Ford, though, saying that, you know, how can you make a Mustang into a sub-brand and just kind of dilute what it's all about? They're and desperate. People, and people have been even saying, though, that Corvette... If if Chevrolet wants to take the Corvette name and make it into its own sub-brand, a la, you know, like the Ford Mustang E SUV, so you could per, perhaps see Corvette uh, SUVs, almost like what Porsche did with the, you know, the Cayenne, the Macan, the Panamera, you know, cars that you would never think Porsche would have in their portfolio they do now. Some people would be for that, some people would be against it, but they did say that as a sub-brand, Corvette could be worth up to $12 billion, which is a lot of money. That's and right. when GM is looking at their bottom line at some point, it's, they might decide to extend so, the brand. So, it sounds like we're going to have a Corvette SUV. It if could. That's how much money. We're or talking. a fully electric Corvette something or other, whether it's a, a, a sedan or a, you know another coupe or an SUV. Yeah, I, who knows? Uh, it'll be real interesting to see if they decide to push it past what they're doing now. I don't see anything wrong with the uh, uh, adding an electric boost to the performance. No, I don't think that. All. I think that's okay. But would they decide to maybe bring out an all-electric sedan. I mean, like the new Porsche Taycan, which is people are saying right now that that could be the best Porsche ever, whether that's true or not. But some of the things that they're accomplishing with that, but again, they're not out on the road yet. That actually looks pretty cool. It's very expensive. Well, again, I mean, that's the thing, but... You know, all these cars are getting expensive. But the electrification, so. uh, they give you that boost on, on the on the Corvette, the, like with the Zora. I, I, you know what? I think that's I'm what gonna, we're going to be seeing. We've talked about this before on the podcast is the, the luxury performance uh, aspects of luxury makers like, like a Mercedes or a BMW using electrification, not for efficiency, but for performance. That's what AMG is and doing. And AMG is doing it. Yep. Um, you know, Ferrari's done it with the LaFerrari. I, I think uh, McLaren might be touching on some of that now. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Lamborghini... Well, McLaren has the P1. Or they have... The, the P1 a couple years ago, that, that's electrified yeah. as well. So. Um, but just using, like, the NS, the new NSX, using electrification for performance enhancement versus just, you know, I get 80 miles a gallon... I think that's that can be very legitimate. So I think there's a lot of avenues that Chevrolet can take the new uh, C8 uh, down, and whether they will decide to even branch out further with a sub-brand remains to be seen. So let's just go around the room, so to speak, very briefly. Lou, do you have any final thoughts on um, the C8 from your perspective, our perspective here? I'm a big fan. I think it looks great. I think it's all American. I love the car. What color would you get? I'm probably, I've only seen it in like this orange or red so far. I, you know, I'm a big fan of blue, so I blue. probably yeah, blue and blue. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's, they do have that Smurf blue. Do you like that color, Lou? <laughs> you know, I'd have to see it. Probably not. I would prefer more of a uh, you know a, a race blue. Yeah, like a, this, like a Cobra Smurf, or like that Smurf a, blue like is very popular. It's very popular. It's like the basically the color on the uh, Focus RS. Roger, the big naysayer for the CA. What are your final thoughts? I hope they sell every one of them. <laughs> they will. No problem. However, Roger. (laughs) 
He's just can't nodding his o- head. Yeah. Cannot get over the back end of the car. It looks. It, this is your halo car. It should. I, it, it, okay. Nobody's going to confuse a Corvette with an, an Equinox or um, a Malibu. I just wish that the the back end of the car looked better. The tail lights should not share any lineage with yeah. anything else in your in your line. Well, just put it this way. Usually when they do a mid-model um, refresh, you know, in another two or three years, they always change the front and rear fascia. So I'm sure if, if – and people have said they don't like the rear end of it. That might be the first thing to get modified, and we'll see what it uh, turns out to be. I hope so. We'll see. Uh, as far as my thoughts on it, I'm just going to totally withhold 100% uh, buy-in until I see one in person. I'm more than lukewarm. I'm just kind of in the middle of it right now. I want to confirm the interior quality and the, the look and feel of the interior. I want to actually see the car in person so I can see it from all angles to see what it looks like and inspect fit and finish on the outside as well. Uh, as far as the performance aspects of the car and the pricing of the car, I think it's fantastic. So, And I, and I do think that it's going to be a, a big success for them. And I just um, we'll have to see if they decide to do a sub-brand too. I, who knows? That's speculation at this point. If that happens, it'd be, I'd say, three to five years easy down the road, but it all depends on how big of a success this car is, how it sells, what the economy is doing, how GM is doing. There's a lot of variables that can um, factor into exactly how it's going to evolve. But it's been a Chevrolet since 1953. Are you, do they really think they're going to Jedi mind trick somebody with having a sub-brand? That's what they do these days, though. I mean, they do that kind of stuff. So... Companies do that. I mean, I know you're saying there's a legacy there. There's a heritage. If the money's there, the answer is yes. Yeah, exactly. And if it's $12 billion, that's, you know. So we'll see. I I never thought I'd see a Lamborghini SUV. Yeah, and a Porsche four-door sedan. A Bentley SUV, SUV, Maserati SUV, Aston Martin SUVs coming out. But Porsche doing, like, your, your Cayenne. And doing the Panamera and the Panamera Gran Turismo, which looks awesome. It's yeah. like a little stage Oh, it is wagon. awesome, yeah. Because of those cars. Porsche is still here. You have cars like the 911T. You have the GT3. The and GT3 Porsche is still RS. around as a company. Absolutely. Because that's the, those are the and vehicles I, and that I wish the Cayenne that saved have, them. I, I get it. I wish, I, didn't have, I wish that didn't have to be the case. Yeah. But companies are going to be companies. They're going to have stockholders. The stockholders are going to have to make money, and they're going to do whatever is going to be best for the stockholders. Exactly. Well, that wraps up our two-part episodes of the uh, Corvette C8. would like to uh, thank our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, for being in the studio once again. Roger. Roger. Yeah, great seeing you. Great seeing you guys. And, you know, we call him the man in the field because uh, I'll be at home on a Saturday if I'm not at a car show, or I'll be just doing something during the week, and I'll get a text and Roger will be sending us something about cars. What else? So he's always on the lookout. If you run into him, he's a great guy, and he'll definitely introduce himself as Roger Rexroad, the man in the field. (laughs) So always good to have him here in the Car Guys Report studio. Of course, Lou is uh, my co-host here on the uh, Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Coming up on our next episode of the Car Guys Report, more great car lists, more great car discussion. That's what we do. It's only on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And thanks so much, too, for listening listening to our two-part episode of the uh, Corvette C8. Certainly glad to have you along. And again, if you have any feedback, comments, suggestions, rants, or raves, carguysreport at hotmail.com is our email address. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is the word hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This OFI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. <laughs> can you see my doodle from where you no. are? You know who else would? Walter Jacobson would doodle. And his doodle one day was close to my doodle. He, uh, so you've seen his doodle? Sure. Uh, he's seen your doodle. He's seen my doodle more than one day. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. 
It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Lasano and Friends. I do this podcast. Really? Yeah, you should listen to it. Yeah. What's it called? Well, Lasano and Friends. Lasano and Friends or Lasano and Friends? No, it's Lasano. It's totally different. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It'd be nice if Tony were actually here today for this uh, promo we're doing. No, I think a promo stands on its own better when the star of the show is not in it whatsoever. Wow. Are we friends with each other or just Tony? I'm friends on Facebook. Yeah, we're hey, friends hey, on hey, Facebook. Hey, quite, quite, quite. Well, yeah. Lasano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. So is this really a promo? How long are we going? (laughs) Radiomisfits.com